Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And uh, in this part of the series on faith, we're talking about faith works. See, yes, we're saved by grace through faith alone. But James makes it very clear that faith without works is dead, is ineffective. You see, if we're not getting results, it isn't necessarily because we don't have faith. It may be because we're not releasing our faith through our words and through our actions. We can have faith, but it can lie dormant in us, unproductive. For example, if a gun is not going off, is not firing a bullet, um, it, it, that it doesn't necessarily mean it isn't loaded. Um, but because we haven't released the bullet by pulling the trigger. So if you've heard the word, you're loaded with faith. But now you need to pull the trigger and release your faith and God's power and you will see results. And so it's imperative that our faith be revealed, be expressed, be released by our works. Uh, good works that are pleasing to God. For example, Hebrews 10 tells us, tells all of us to continually and consistently express our faith in a lifestyle of words, of works and worship. These are all expressions of our faith. First of all, words. It says, let us hold fast, let us continually hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Out of our faith in God's faithfulness, we are to speak his word. Then secondly, works. He says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's what God wants to see. And in worship it says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day uh, approaching. And so words, works and worship come out of our faith. Well, 1 Corinthians 3 reveal that there are three kinds of good work that God will reward in that when we stand before him. Let's read that in verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation of Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day of judgment will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will receive, suffer loss of reward but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And he talks about three kinds of good works. There are works of gold. That represents the divine nature. These are works produced from our faith that's responding to the revelation of the grace of God that is working in us now. You see, gold is the divine nature, the love, joy, peace, the life of God that he has put into our reborn spirit. God words reveals that grace. And, and then, you know, that we are new creations. We're his workmanship created to, to show forth the fruit of the Spirit. And, and if we know this grace of God, if we know we're new creations, with God's love poured out into our hearts, then by faith we can act on that revelation and we can express that new life that God's put within us. And as we walk in the Spirit by faith, our new nature that's energized by the Holy Spirit, will produce works of gold. And then it talks about precious stones. These are works done in obedience to God's word. You see, if we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord, you see, and he says in his word to do something, then we obey that. Even if it 
defies our natural inclination, our natural feelings or reasonings. We do it as a principle because he is Lord. And every act of obedience like that, that we do in order to earn his praise and his reward, that is a precious stone in God's sight. His word reveals that he's our Lord and one day he's going to judge us and he's going to reward us for how we have lived. And so true servants of God, obedient to their Lord, seeking his praise and reward will produce works of precious stones. And so believing his promise of future grace motivates us to produce good works in our life. And then thirdly, and this is what we're going to focus on today and next week, is works of silver. Silver represents redemption. These are works we produce in response to God's past grace, of what God's love for us, that's revealed through Christ's death on the cross. That's how much he loved us. Praise God. And by faith, if we know that that's what he's done for us, that he laid his life down for us, then we will, we will want to respond with love and gratitude to him by living a life of good works, serving him. We love him because he first loved us. And so these works are a response to God's revelation, to the revelation of his past redemptive grace in his death. And faith, you see, rests in what God has done for us, but it also responds to his love by doing good works. By his free grace, we became sons of God. And now, because we believe, and because we've received this grace, we are to respond in love and gratitude and submit to him as his servants. So he's made us sons, but now our response is to offer ourselves to be his servants, one whose life is dedicated to the will of God. And when we do this, we will produce works and, and we'll be a love servant because we want to serve him because he has loved us and, and so we love him. And then we will produce good works, motivated by faith and love to the glory of God. The motive for our godly living is not to gain righteousness or a place in heaven, but love and gratitude for what God has done for us, that he's already made us righteous and he's already given us a place in heaven. So now we give ourselves back to him. You know, if we center our meditation and our motivation, you see, and all that God has done for us in his love, for our salvation, that will keep us operating in a response of love to God. And that will also protect us from moving in pride. And one interesting story from the time of Jesus in Luke 10, it talks about the 70 who had been sent out. They returned with joy saying, and they were actually boasting in their success, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. In your name, they added. And he said to them, be careful. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And he's warning them against pride, that their, that their motivation is their own success, their pride. And um, he says, I saw that same pride get into Satan and it resulted in his fall. Yes, he was glorious, he was successful, he was the leading angel, but he fell because of that pride, because he didn't keep his center on God. He says, behold, I, yes, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, 
Do not rejoice in this. Don't rejoice in your success. He says that the spirits are subject to you. Don't rejoice in your works, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in the grace of God. Be motivated by the fact that Jesus died for you. He saved you. Keep that in the center of your thoughts. And, and then you'll do works of, thank, of gratitude from that. And then you won't get into pride. Now, this love response to God is shown in a wonderful Hebrew custom that's fascinating. Uh, this is where we offer our life to God because he so loved us. And it's recorded in Exodus 21 and also in Deuteronomy 15, verse 16. Let's read that. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he will serve six years. And in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges, and he will also bring him to the door, or to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he will serve him forever. And this is the origin of pierced ears. And um, here you see a Hebrew servant. Now, this would be a man who maybe had got into debt, and, and instead of going to prison, he sold himself as a servant or a slave to someone else. But it wasn't slavery in terms of, as we think of it, it was, it was servitude, that he would pay off his debt, but he would be released in the seventh year. He, he was not a permanent slave. And so after completing the six years, he would be free, and uh, he could go. And at this time of freedom, there would be certain servants who wanted to remain a servant because their master was so good to them. And their master rescued them possibly from a terrible uh, future and in prison and, and much worse. And this master looked after them. And because he loved his master and his, because he knew this would also be good for his wife and, and for his children, um, he said, no, I don't want to go free. I want to be your love servant. I want to continue to be your servant. Not because I have to, because I want to. Because I love you. I, you are good. And it says, when that happened, his ear, the master, if he accepted that dedication, the master would pin his ear to the doorpost and pierce it through with an awl. Now the awl is not the sound that he makes as his ear's been pierced. Oh, all right, the awl is a sharp uh, instrument with a sharp point that would be driven through the ear. And uh, as a result, his ear was opened. A pointed metallic instrument. And the master accepted his dedication to be a love slave. And he opened his ear. He was preparing his ear to hear. And so he'd dig a hole in his ear or he'd open his ear permanently. And this meant that his ear was now always open to hear the instructions, the commands, the voice of the master. Rather than it being clogged up with, with it, his own ideas, his own um, agendas. His ear now was to open to the master. And so if we dedicate ourselves to do God's will, to be his love servant, to say, you know, Lord, um, I want to serve you. I want to be your servant because I love you. And because I love 
my family around me, the other people. I want to be a blessing. I want to be your servant. God will accept that dedication and he will open our ear and we will then begin to hear his voice clearly. Don't expect to hear the God's voice giving you directions if you haven't dedicated yourself to do his will first. Your ear is not yet opened. But once you've dedicated yourself, God opens your ear, then you're able to hear and obey. So the key to our growth and blessing is to have an opened ear. Let him who has ears to hear, Jesus said, hear and keep on hearing. And so an open pierced ear represented someone who'd voluntarily dedicated to serve his master forever out of love. It was the mark in the flesh, you see, of a true love servant, ready to do anything for his master. It's an ear always open to hear and obey the master. The ear actually represented his whole body. Because presenting his ear to be pierced, what he was really doing is presenting his whole body to serve his master. Being pierced meant he was willing to even endure pain and sacrifice to be pierced, as it were, for his master's will. And so the doorpost is like an altar, a sacrifice on an altar. The ear was nailed to the doorpost. He was actually presenting his body as a living sacrifice to do his master's will. His motivation was love and gratitude to his master who saved him from death, from prison, saved his family from worse things. And so we are to do the same, to dedicate ourselves to God. He set us free from our debts of sin and hell. And out of gratitude for his goodness, we dedicate ourselves to him, to be his servant. And that way we will produce a life of good works, serving the Lord. This is the background to, uh, in the Old Testament to Romans 12, where it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because God has loved us so much, that you present your bodies to a, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, your reasonable service. You see, as a servant responding to God's love, we offer up our body to do God's will, our ears to hear God's word, our eyes to see what he wants us to see, our legs to go where he wants us to go, our hands to do what he wants us to do, our mouth to speak his word. And this is the dedication of ourselves as a living sacrifice, to, to obey God. It's a sacrifice because it means laying down our own ideas, our own plans to do his will. And the result is that our ears are then opened. God opens our ears. And that's when he talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We start to hear his will, you see. And then we're transformed as we work it out and do the will of God. So we're transformed. And so it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Once you've presented yourself as the living sacrifice, your ears open, your mind will be renewed, and then you're transformed through the renewing of your mind as you prove or demonstrate the perfect will by doing what he tells you to do. If the master accepts the dedication of the servant, then he consecrates him for service. That means he sets him apart, and that's what the master did by opening his ear. He's setting him apart to be his servant. He anoints us, he equips us, he prepares us to do his will. That's what the, what the Lord does. We dedicate, but only God can consecrate. 
And he does that by opening the ear. And you know, this is a picture of Jesus, God's servant, who's our example in this. Because as, as God, you see, Jesus was free to do what he wanted to do. He didn't have to be a servant. But out of love for his father and for his children, that's us, and for his wife, the bride of Christ, he gave up his rights as God. And he took on the role of a servant. And he submitted and dedicated to the father to do his will, to go and to minister to us and to save us, praise God, even to die for us. You see, Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means even from the start of time, even from when mankind sinned, he dedicated himself to God to actually um, give himself to fulfill God's will, which meant dying for us on the cross. And so even before he came into the world, he accepted the suffering of being a servant and dedicated himself to obey. He presented himself to the Father as a living sacrifice, a willing servant, ready to suffer for us. And Psalm 40 is a wonderful psalm that tells us about this. Um, it's talking about the Messiah. In fact, the Messiah is speaking as he's coming into the world in verse um, six, it says, sacrifice and offering you, God, did not desire. In other words, animal sacrifices could never satisfy God's requirements. They didn't do the job. Only the perfect offering of the Messiah could accomplish salvation. He says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. There's the phrase, my ears you have opened. In other words, I come to offer myself as a sacrifice. I dedicate myself to do your will, to offer up myself. And you have opened my ears. You have accepted my dedication and you have sent me now to be your servant, to accomplish your will. Now the Septuagint gives an alternative, equivalent translation, which is a body you have prepared for me. Because you see, when the servant offered up his ears to be opened, he was offering up his whole body. And when that was opened, then in the same way God opened Jesus' ears, he gave him a body to serve him with, to fulfill his mission with. So Jesus dedicated himself even before he came into the world, and then God equipped him, gave him that human body, gave him ears to hear to fulfill that mission. And then it says, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Animal sacrifice, can't do it. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it's written of me, I delight to do your will. God, I'm coming to offer myself as a sacrifice and I delight to do your will. It's my choice to do this. I'm not being forced to do it. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. And then in Hebrews 10, it confirms that this is talking about Jesus. This is the commentary on that passage. These are the words as he came into the world. Let's read that in Hebrews. It's not possible, he says, that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he, the Messiah, came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold, I come to offer myself. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God, which was to offer himself up as the sacrifice. 
Now, previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you didn't desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law, then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. By saying this, he, said, he takes away the first, that he may establish the second. What's he saying? He takes away the first sacrificial system of the blood of animals, that he may establish the second system, the new covenant system, which is based on the blood of the Messiah, you see. By that will, by his sacrifice on the cross, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. So this is all about the Messiah coming into the earth as a dedicated servant whose ear has been opened, whose body has been accepted as a living sacrifice, and he is coming into the earth in order to die for us, to fulfill God's will. What humility of Jesus. Praise God. And so Christ in heaven, in Psalm 40, is about to come into the world as a man, and he says that the animal sacrifices can't save, but then he's saying, I'm come to do God's will as God's servant, and I do it from the heart, because I, out of love, and I come to lay down my life as the final sacrifice. And after saying that animal sacrifices cannot suffice, why not? Because an animal is maybe innocent, and maybe outwardly unblemished, but it doesn't offer up a perfectly obedient life. He says, Instead of that animal sacrifice, he says, but my ears you have opened. And so Christ will offer up a perfectly obedient human life. You see, my ears you've opened. That will be the sacrifice. He will live a perfect, obedient life. He will offer that up on the cross, and that will be a satisfactory sac sacrifice for our salvation. Praise God. And he, he uses this interesting phrase that in his ear being opened, it represents the fact that his whole body was given to God to do his will. And so the Son came into the earth in the incarnation and he dedicated to do God's will as God's servant in the body that God would give him. God's response to his dedication was to give his Son that human body a perfect body, to do God's will, and then to offer it up as a sacrifice. He gave him everything that he needed to fulfill that mission. God gave him opened ears to hear and a body to do his will and to be offered up as a sacrifice, a perfect human nature that could serve God and fulfill God's mission and then be offered up as a sacrifice. You know, when we dedicate to do God's will, God then gives us everything we need to do it. He gives us the strength. He gives us the anointing. He gives us ears to hear his commands for us. And he releases us into that work. And God did this for Jesus. When he said, I delight to do your will, O God, Jesus was dedicating his body to do God's will to give the sacrifice. It's interesting that the consecration is done at the door because this represents, the door represents an entry into a new dimension of life and service. And the virgin birth, the incarnation was the door 
by which Jesus came into the earth to fulfill God's will as a servant. When God consecrates us in the same way, he opens up doors of opportunity and service for him. The pierced ear was the mark of a consecrated servant. Being pierced means you're willing to endure pain. You're willing to suffer even for the master's will. And Jesus proved his total love and obedience to, the, to God by being pierced through against a wooden post, against the cross, the altar of the cross. He was pierced. And that cross is the door to eternal life. And that was the sign that he was a dedicated servant of God come to do God's will. Jesus on the cross shows us God's love servant, obedient to death, out of love for his master and out of love for his family. That's us. And by doing that, he secured our place in the house of the master forever. And he still bears in his body that piercing, the marks of that piercing. He did it for us. He could have claimed his freedom. He could have claimed his rights and opted out. But out of love, he submitted himself and was pierced for us. Praise God. And Isaiah 50 talks about Jesus being the love servant of God who come to do his will, to suffer and to die for us. And very quickly he says that the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who's weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, you see, and I was not rebellious. God showed him what he must do. He must go to the cross. I was not rebellious. I didn't turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I'll not be disgraced. Therefore, I've set my face like a flint to go to the cross. And I know I'll not be ashamed. He says, I, I followed through with what he told me to do, to die on the cross. Remember how much God loves you how much he's done for you. Follow the example of Jesus and dedicate yourself to be his love servant. Ask him to open your ears, to hear his voice, to do his will, and he'll then anoint you, and he'll give you that open ear to hear him speak to you, and he'll send you through doors of opportunity to serve him. My challenge to you is to dedicate yourself as a living sacrifice because you love your Lord. And only then will he open your ears and you'll start to hear him telling you what to do. And as you obey him out of love, a life of good works will flow forth.